Welcome to the Next Steps Bible Reading Podcast. I'm Greg Whiting, reading from the One Year Chronological Bible, and today's reading is for April 3rd. Shechem's Revolt Against Abimelech, Judges 9, 22-57. After Abimelech had governed Israel three years, God stirred up animosity between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem so that they acted treacherously against Abimelech. God did this in order that the crime against Jeroboam's 70 sons, the shedding of their blood, might be avenged on their brother Abimelech and on the citizens of Shechem who had helped him murder his brothers. In opposition to him, these citizens of Shechem set men on the hilltops to ambush and rob everyone who passed by, and this was reported to Abimelech. Now Gael, son of Ebed, moved with his clan into Shechem, and its citizens put their confidence in him. After they had gone out into the fields and gathered the grapes and trodden them, they had a festival in the temple of their god. While they were eating and drinking, they cursed Abimelech. Then Gael, son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and why should we Shechemites be subject to him? Isn't he Jeroboam's son, and isn't Zebel his deputy? Serve the family of Hamor, Shechem's father. Why should we serve Abimelech? If only this people were under my command, then I would get rid of him. I would say to Abimelech, Call out your whole army. When Zebel, the governor of the city, heard what Gael, son of Ebed, said, he was very angry. Undercover, he sent messengers to Abimelech, saying, Gael, son of Ebed, and his clan have come to Shechem and are stirring up the city against you. Now then, during the night, you and your men should come and lie in wait in the fields. In the morning at sunrise, advance against the city. When Gael and his men come out against you, seize the opportunity to attack them. So Abimelech and all his troops set out by night and took up concealed positions near Shechem in four companies. Now Gael, son of Ebed, had gone out and was standing at the entrance of the city gate just as Abimelech and his troops came out from their hiding place. When Gael saw them, he said to Zebel, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. Zebel replied, You mistake the shadows of the mountains for men. But Gael spoke up again, Look, people are coming down from the central hill, and a company is coming from the direction of the diviner's tree. Then Zebel said to him, Where is your big talk now, you who said, Who is Abimelech? that we should be subject to him. Aren't these the men you ridiculed? Go out and fight them. So Gael led out the citizens of Shechem and fought Abimelech. Abimelech chased him all the way to the entrance of the gate, and many were killed as they fled. Then Abimelech stayed at Rumah, and Zebel drove Gael and his clan out of Shechem. The next day, the people of Shechem went out to the fields, and this was reported to Abimelech. So he took his men, divided them into three companies, and set an ambush in the fields. When he saw the people coming out of the city, he rose to attack them. Abimelech and the companies with him rushed forward to a position at the entrance of the city gate. Then two companies attacked those in the fields and struck them down. All that day, Abimelech pressed his attack against the city until he had captured it and killed its people. Then he destroyed the city and scattered salt over it. On hearing this, the citizens in the tower of Shechem went out in the stronghold of the temple of Elbereth. When Abimelech heard that they had assembled there, he and all his men went up Mount Zalman. He took an axe and cut off some branches, which he lifted to his shoulders. He ordered the men with him, Quick, do what you have seen me do. So all the men cut branches and followed Abimelech. They piled them against the stronghold and set it on fire with the people still inside. So all the people in the tower of Shechem, about a thousand men and women, also died. Next, Abimelech went to Thebes and besieged it and captured it. Inside the city, however, was a strong tower to which all the men and women, all the people of the city, had fled. They had locked themselves in and climbed up on the tower roof. Abimelech went to the tower and attacked it. But as he approached the entrance to the tower to set it on fire, a woman dropped an upper millstone on his head and cracked his skull. 
Hurriedly, he called to his armor bearer, draw your sword and kill me so they can't say a woman killed him. So his servant ran him through and he died. When the Israelites saw that Abimelech was dead, they went home. Thus, God repaid the wickedness that Abimelech had done to his father by murdering his 70 brothers. God also made the people of Shechem pay for all their wickedness. The curse of Jotham, son of Jeroboam, came on them. Wow, what a story. So, so this was God stirring all this up, bringing judgment on those who killed all that family, and also judgment from a woman dropping a millstone from the tower. Uh, judgment on Abimelech for all the wickedness he had done. Tola becomes Israel's judge, Judges 10, 1 and 2. After the time of Abimelech, a man of Issachar named Tola, son of Pua, the son of Dodo, rose to save Israel. He lived in Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. He led Israel 23 years. Then he died and was buried in Shamir. Jair becomes Israel's judge, Judges 10, 3 to 5. He was followed by Jer of Gilead, who led Israel 22 years. He had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys. They controlled 30 towns in Gilead, which to this day are called Havath Jer. When Jer died, he was buried in Kaman. The Ammonites oppress Israel, Judges 10, 6-18. Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Ashtaroths and the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites and the gods of the Philistines. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, he became angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead, the land of the Amorites. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. Israel was in great distress. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you forsaking our God and serving the Baals. Then the Lord replied, When the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Maonites oppressed you and you cried to me for help, did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. But the Israelites said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. Then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord, and he could bear Israel's misery no longer. When the Ammonites were called to arms and camped at Gilead, the Israelites assembled and camped at Mizpah. The leaders of the people of Gilead said to each other, Whoever will take the lead in attacking the Ammonites will be head over all who live in Gilead. So they turn against God once again. He's going to um, let them be destroyed, and they cry out to him and they get rid of the other gods. Jephthah becomes Israel's judge, Judges 11, 1 to 28. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You're not going to get an inheritance in our family, they said, because you're the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels, love that word, gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went up to Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to him, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, 
Nevertheless, we're turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites, and you will be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, The Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the Ammonite king with the question, What do you have against me that you have attacked my country? The king of the Ammonites answered Jephthah's messengers, When Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok, all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peaceably. Jephthah sent back messengers to the Ammonite king, saying, This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not take the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites, but when they came up out of Egypt, Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and on to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Give us permission to go through your country. But the king of Edom would not listen. They sent also to the king of Moab, and he refused. So Israel stayed at Kadesh. Next they traveled through the wilderness, skirted the lands of Edom and Moab, passed along the eastern side of the country of Moab, and camped on the other side of the Arnon. They did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was its border. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, and said to him, Let us pass through your country to your own place. Sihon, however, did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. He mustered all his troops and encamped at Jahaz and fought with Israel. Then the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and his whole army into Israel's hands, and they defeated them. Israel took over all the land of the Amorites who lived in that country, capturing all of it from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the desert of the Jordan. Now, since the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven the Amorites out before his people Israel, what right have you to take it over? Will you not take what your God, Shemosh, gives you? Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever quarrel with Israel or fight with them? For 300 years, Israel occupied Heshbon, Aror, the surrounding settlements, and all the towns along the Arnon. Why didn't you retake them during that time? I have not wronged you, but you are doing me wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord, the judge, decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. The king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message Jephthah sent him. That's interesting, that long message of the history of all of that, and he ignores him. Uh, We'll see uh, what happens in tomorrow's reading. So that's the end of the reading for April 3rd. Well, what do we take away from this. We've got more judges coming. Um, We've got people turning away from God again, but then repenting. And then you've got Jephthah becoming the judge. And um, they finally call him back to to rule over them, to command. And now you've got this setup um, coming for what's going to happen next. Well, what stuck out to me uh, was just the idea of God's mercy. We we see a lot in here about God's judgment because he was a judging God. He was just, is still just. But when his people disobeyed, he would go after them and he would defeat them and he would discipline them. And yet in this case, we have Israel actually repenting. And even after they repented the first time and God said, I'm still going to discipline you, they repented again and they actually did what they were supposed to do the first time. And that is they got rid of the other gods and they worshiped God alone. 
and God showed mercy. That, that's the main thing that, that sticks out to me from this passage. The mercy of God in my life. The forgiveness of my sins, not just for salvation, but the continual forgiveness and grace when I blow it. And when my heart is not right at the time, and yet God eventually brings me back to repentance. And sometimes he disciplines me. Uh, but I know he'll never take away my salvation. And he continually pours his blessing on me. And for that, I'm very grateful. Father, I pray, thanking you, praising you for your mercy, not only on Israel, but your mercy on me. When my eyes get taken off of you, when I begin to let my heart wander from you, you remind me, you lovingly discipline me, but Lord, you never take away your love, your grace, and your mercy. And so I praise you for that today. And Father, I pray that in remembrance of that, I will keep my eyes only on you today and worship you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.